Welcome to episode 8 of the We Can See You Sneaking Out podcast. I hope everyone has had a good week. This week I took in Blackburn away with Luton. Blackburn is always an enjoyable away day. Uh, we had a couple of nice local ales in the Golden Cup in Darwin, uh, which also has match day parking for a fiver. And it's only a 10 minute walk from the ground, so good for any travelling fans. I'd definitely recommend giving it a look next time you have Blackburn away. Uh, the only downside was they tried to give us plastic glasses for our beer, but we managed to talk them round. The game ended 1-1. Luton had already finished third, and you could tell there was more riding on it for Blackburn. But a good day out. Episode 8 this week is with Tim Hartley, a Cardiff City fan. Uh, Tim has written books about his travels watching Cardiff and Wales. Um, Cardiff had a reputation of hooliganism in the 70s and 80s, and Tim talks about that. His experiences also include going to watch football in North Korea, as well as many other countries. Tim is a really interesting guy, um, and he has huge enthusiasm and passion for the game, so it was great chatting to him. Um, he is going to come back to us and do a part two um, to tell us more about his experiences of following Wales around the globe, um, and that should be another really good listen. The links to Tim's books are in the description below, so well worth a look if you are interested. If you want to get involved with the show, we'd love to hear your away day stories, so follow us on Twitter at WeCanSeeYouPod or email us at WeCanSeeYouSneakingOut at gmail.com. Um, and without further ado, on with episode 8. If you do enjoy this episode with Tim, then please subscribe to us. It's a big help, and we don't want you to miss out on future episodes. Um, we're on all the major platforms where you can listen to podcasts. Thanks so much again. Um, take care, and I'll speak to you all next week. Okay, welcome to another episode of the We Can See You Sneaking Out podcast. Today I'm joined by Tim Hartley. Tim is a Cardiff fan, um, but has also written um, a number of books about his experiences of travelling to watch football. Tim, welcome. Thank you very much. Tim, would you like to tell us a little bit a little bit more maybe about the, the books that you've written and um, I guess uh, just a little background about you as a fan? Yeah, I'm a Cardiff City fan, lifelong, and follow Wales away. Now, you might think, yeah, that's great in the days of Gareth Bale. But, of course, I was back in the days of Bobby Gould, who was our manager. And this was a manager with Wales who took the Welsh national team to train on a prison football ground because he couldn't find anywhere else. So I go back to when it, it wasn't popular, when it wasn't a kind of trendy cult thing to do. Um, but I love my football. I love traveling. And the books I've written, um, very kind of you to, to mention them. First one's called Kicking Off in North Korea. And yes, I have watched football in North Korea. And the second one's called The World at Your Feet in Search of the Soul of Football. And the important thing to me, in a sense, is not the football in itself. It's what you get out the traveling, because you could do it. You maybe you're a member of a choir, maybe you're an artist, a dancer. There's something about traveling and making contact in Britain, in Wales, all over the world that football does better than anything else. You get an insight into life. I think it's because the pyramid is so high. You think of the Galacticos we saw at the World Cup. And you look at the base of that pyramid, 
at grassroots football. Real people, people like you and me, volunteering, being mucked about by stewards, and below that, paying your five pounds to watch non-league football. I just love every aspect of it, and I feel so happy, really, that I've been able to follow follow my dreams. That's incredible. Thanks so much. It sounds... Well, you can hear your passion and enthusiasm already just from that, that first couple of sentences. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you and, and hear more about your experiences. Um, you mentioned the books. Obviously, there'll be a link in the description below for people to um, find those if they want want to buy them. And obviously, I, uh, I highly recommend that people go out and do that. So just, just following on from that, then you said you're a lifelong Cardiff fan, and I don't want to be rude and try and guess your age, but if you could maybe just tell me how did you how did you come about supporting Cardiff and and how how long have you been supporting them? Well, I think I'm a bit of a fraud here because I uh, grew up playing rugby in Pontypridd, um, and it was a big deal then. My son hates rugby because it was forced on him in his school. I loved rugby because it was forced on me in the school, so I'd be going to see uh, Cardiff City occasionally rather than Cardiff rugby back in the 1970s. Now you talk about casuals and ultras and that. I have to tell you, as a child catching, because I was 12, 13 maybe, catching the train from Barry, where I lived, to Cardiff, uh, to Ninian Park, in the days of the boot boys and the suede heads. <laughs> it, it, it sounds funny now, but they used to have a, um, a schoolboys enclosure with a wall behind it at the front of the Grange End. The Grange End was this massive, dark terrace behind the goal, and it was black railway sleepers, and the big boys stood behind and effed and jeffed and fought <laughs> and attacked Crystal Palace and Chelsea and bragged about it. And we schoolboys were down the front there saying, maybe we can get an autograph, or is it safe to go for a pasty? now um and that's when it started but the one which really kicked it in for me was 1976 i just turned 16 and wales were playing yugoslavia in what was then the quarter final of the european championships everything goes on about 2016 in france and um 20 uh what was it 2021 20, then in azerbaijan um and the world cup but actually that was a quarter final for wales and um it turned into, well, a riot at the end. A flagpole was thrown at a linesman. Someone went to prison for that. Uh, there was shouting and that. And I hate to say it. I don't. I, I hate violence. I hate the way it spoils football, even the hint of it. However, as a boy of 16, the passion for Wales, that camaraderie of standing shoulder to shoulder, I'd graduated behind the schoolboy's wall, you understand, by this time. <laughs> It just, it was just, it was just intoxicating. And I wonder if the rest of my life has been to recapture that afternoon, that Saturday afternoon on the Grange End as a 16-year-old lad. <laughs> That's incredible. So was that quarterfinal at Ninian Park? It was, yes, it was. And we, uh, did we drew or lose? The point is we weren't going through and that was a big deal. That was a big deal. Yeah. Okay. So can you then, um, as you know, this is this this podcast is based around away days. So can you remember when you started going to watch Cardiff away? Yeah, that wasn't until much later. I went away to work. Um, was working all over all over England and Wales, and then I came back. Then so I started really going away as a family. And uh, we loved going as a family in the car. 
the lad, his first game must have been, well, I'll tell you when his first game was actually. It was as a baby against Stockport County. And um, we were told, you know, you've got a baby in arms, mate, in the grandstand with the Stockport fans. And then Cardiff amazingly scored. I held the baby up above my head like a trophy. <laughs> I shook him. And people thought, oh, my God, this is child abuse. And then, of course, he, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was too young, really, to be there. But then we started going as a family when he was five or six. And what was beautiful about that is we drive up, you know, because most of the teams are on that M62 corridor. And um, we play this game with a little six-year-old boy to keep him interested. Now then, son, you tell us how many teams are on the road signs. So you'd go up past Birmingham and Warsaw. There we go, two. That's not bad. And we found the ultimate sign. Don't go left on the M60. Go right if, as if you're going to Sheffield. You've got Sheffield, you've got Barnsley, and then you've got Leeds, and then you may have a Manchester. You might have Oldham in there. Once you're getting to five or six names on a motorway <laughs> plate, you know you've hit the jackpot. So that's when we started going uh, as a family. And then when he got a bit older, we started going on the battle buses. And a completely different... <laughs> A different attitude there. Um, the boy, the boy would pick up stuff from the ground. So we'd be singing in the car, you know, uh, bluebirds, bluebirds. And he started. We'd start then. One nil to the sheep shadows. One nil to the sheep shadows. And at one point he said, No, no, Dad, Dad, you've got it wrong. I said, I beg your pardon. So he says, It's gut, not dirt. I thought, oh, all that innocence gone, gone. <laughs> so that's when we started going to away days, and it was it was brilliant to get to see um, these different parts of the country and to meet different people there. And as a family, you get a different taste actually from going as a bunch of lads when you just go to the Weatherspoons and go in there. But if you make an effort, you can meet some really nice people on these trips. Yeah. Did you say it was called the Battle Bus? Well, we, we call them battle buses that we take them on. It's uh, That's an old hooligan term, I think. But, you know, um, old men like me, um, <laughs> we still use the term because it's a bit of fun. It's a bit of fun. <laughs> okay. And, and what were the characters like then on those buses? Well, it, it was interesting because Cardiff had uh, a very bad name um, for for um, hooliganism. Let's you know, let's call it a spade a spade in this. And there's a crowd called the Valley Rams who decided they were going to change this. And what they did was they organised themselves, and they said, "We're organising buses. We'll self-police them. We'll speak to the police. We'll speak to stewards, and we'll say that you know you come back about on the bus, but when you get off, you start behaving yourselves, and we will ensure that you do." And this worked really well. Um, and yes, I guess these guys were drinking and they were smoking and smoking goodness knows what on buses. But there was a pickup in, in good behaviour by the Cardiff fans. Um, we, were, we were on a sort of uh, the good boys buses compared with these. But that was really important to us. Um, and we were sort of gradually, there were fewer stewards, there were fewer bubble trips. I don't know whether you come across this bubble trip where you get on a bus outside the stadium. You are not let off that bus until you enter the Leeds Stadium. And you get back on the bus in the car park and you do not leave that bus until you come home. And that's happened. I think it happened at um, Wolves, Leeds, uh, Swansea still does, uh, and Bristol. And quite frankly, it's awful because the whole point is to go and see these towns and these cities mm. and to meet people and to have a little bit of banter in the pub. And if bad behaviour means you can't do that, well, you know, you've got to tackle the bad behaviour. Um, so it, it's it, it, they've been changing times. Interesting. I'm glad to have been there. I don't want those times back though. 
Yeah, okay. So can you can you remember any time where you did see it sort of kicking off a little bit? Yeah, um we were walking through the centre this time actually in Wolverhampton. Um there was some fighting outside the ground and I had Chester, my boy was with me, John and Helen. We speak Welsh as a family and friends. Uh, we're walking through the underpass back. We parked in the centre of town. And I said to them very quickly, I said, don't speak to each other. Don't even think we're speaking in Welsh to each other. Do not speak to each other. Because we knew we'd be singled out, even as a family. Um, and there has been some unpleasantness. And uh, it, it's really ugly. I mean, there was, uh, in, in Millwall, it, that was a bubble trip. And um, the fans couldn't get at the Millwall fans. So a pointless fight broke out between the buses in the car park, between Cardiff fans. I just thought, what is wrong with you people? You just want to fight, whatever it is. Um, but thankfully, that's very few and far between. Oddly enough, there was a was a, a, a Luton Town bus drew up last but three game of last season here in Cardiff, and some people got off and started fighting. I thought, oh my God, am I having a nightmare back to the nineteen seventies? Uh, but thank goodness, it's you know, it's it's. You don't see this often. And also, you, you, maybe there's sort of inbuilt antennae now. If you think they look like likely lads, I'm walking away. Um, yeah. you, you just do. I, I don't want to know. You see some unpleasantness. You literally, I've walked around the stadium the wrong way through opposition fans because I don't necessarily want to be with my fans in case it yeah. kicks off. Yeah. And as you said, it shouldn't be like that, should it? Should it? And, you know, it's one thing fans from rival teams fighting each other but when fans of the same team are fighting each other it's just like you said it's madness isn't it but what, what's so ridiculous is you know when you get to mix with people um i mean i've made friends with andy cadell and his family uh of knots forest and um we actually stay with them before cardiff play knots uh, knots forest now you know we communicate over twitter and that uh, leg pulling and that but meeting his 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 wife becca and we go to their house we stay with them we have coffee you know all through football uh my distant cousin in norwich he's a season ticket holder you know um i wouldn't really see him from year to year unless it was for the football and we talk about this stuff and those are the kind of relationships that's what football means to me is really making friends and you know the football i'm not saying it's incidental because it's quite central but it's all that you know having a good time seeing stuff and seeing england i mean i've been so lucky especially i shouldn't say this when i was taking my boy out of school to go on away trips on, on a tuesday my justification was hey this is an education this is an education so i don't know whether you've been to peterborough but he knows about that beautiful painted wooden ceiling in Peterborough Cathedral. He knows that we stopped deliberately at Litchfield Cathedral to see St. Chad's illuminated manuscript there on the way back from Coventry. You know, we did Durham Cathedral in Newcastle. When we went to Gillingham, we stayed the whole weekend there so we could go to Canterbury Cathedral. You know, this is... It's not just about the football. It's about seeing stuff, you know, and that can be a pizza and a pint or just on that terribly busy road a couple of ways down a QPR, just saying, who's your best player then, mate? He says, Abdel Tarab. He's going to wreck you today. This was in a Nando's, a guy I'd never met before. Um, I think it was, was it Tarab for QPR? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, the guy was right. He did. He took us apart. <laughs> 
So were the school happy with that then? Well, <laughs> there was one teacher who was a bit of a bit of a plonker, and um, he would sometimes say, especially after away trips, um, you've got to stand in front of the class and uh, and. Uh, I this is the one he remind, reminds me of. He says, you've got to stand in front of the class and tell you what you've learned. And he said, well, Armenia is a landlocked country still technically at war with Turkey and Azerbaijan. So this is the first time we played Armenia a few years ago. And I put him to the test. It was a Friday. Wales were playing um, Northern Ireland. And we'd done the territory of the Falls Road on the Friday morning. The game was on the Saturday. And in the evening, because they don't like kids in pubs there and they don't like strangers much, we sat on a bed and discussed our day, me, John and Chester in the Premier Inn or whatever, over a bottle of wine. I said, good Lord, aren't you lucky? You're not in school with Mrs. Jones today. He'd have been nine years old. He said, Dad, don't you think I've learned more today than I would have in a classroom in two weeks in my junior school? I said, that's my boy. <laughs> that's amazing. And was there ever a time then, you know, I can hear how much football means to you and how it's, you know, shaped and contributed to your life. But was there ever ever a time when you thought, actually, you know what, I don't want my family to experience these maybe dangerous, the dangerous aspects of, of what's going on? I, the danger thing, as I say, be, usually because you're in a family and because you get to my age, you think no one's going to hit you. And again, you do walk away from stuff. I mean, we were recently at a match in Croatia in Split and they kept us in for half an hour. Once you got out the ground, everyone was perfectly happy. The Hyduck Split people were drinking with us in bars, you know. Um, so I, I think there's, especially in the international scene, uh, because of how their supporters behave, you're treated, you're tarred with the same brush. Uh, with Cardiff now, I... No, nothing's going to deter me. However, the hassle of a bubble trip to Swansea. Swansea from my house is 40 miles down the road. You could get down there in an hour. Um, and yet, if you want to go and see Cardiff play in Swansea, you've got to be down the stadium at nine o'clock for a 12.30 kickoff, you know, and it's just unpleasant the way you're herded around there. But that's more in terms, I don't feel unsafe. I feel too safe and um, it's just unpleasant. So no, nothing really deters us from the football. Okay, let's talk about that then, that rivalry with Swansea, because it's obviously quite a large rivalry, isn't it? Can you remember the first time you went to Swansea? Has it always been sort of that way? Well, interestingly enough, I mean, I love Swansea's story. They got, uh, you know, three promotions in four seasons under John Toshak. Um, and, you know, hats off to them. Hats off to them. They had a fantastic ground called the Vetch Field. I don't know whether you remember it. It was, seen, yeah. yeah, near the centre of town. It was just behind the prison. There was a lovely pub yeah. there called the Glamorgan. You weren't far from St. Helens. Uh, they had this really cronky stand behind one of the goals, which was set off to the side. It looks as if, hey, you haven't built the rest of it, mate. Brilliant floodlights coming over, a proper football ground. And uh, I'd been there a couple of times and I loved it. I loved the atmosphere there. But then the old dreaded violence came. They said, that's it. That's it. We're not having any Cardiff fans at all for this match. And rather like I did for my um, friend uh, from Arsenal who wanted to see Luton, who'd banned away fans, I got him a press pass. I got myself a press pass to watch Cardiff play Swansea. The trouble was I came out the press box and sat in the grandstand. And the venom towards Cardiff there was quite something. I think we were 2-0 down. Uh, I decided to leave early. I got to the car, put the radio on, and we lost 3-0. But, you know, I just wanted a, I just wanted that experience of a proper ground, you know, and seeing Cardiff there. Yeah, the result was awful, but 
it was a lovely ground. It was proper football ground. Now the Liberty is a little bit antiseptic in the same way as the Cardiff City Stadium is compared with Ninian Park. Yeah. So what was that like then attending in sort of the press area? How was that different? Well, gosh, I'm going to sound like a real fraud now. Um, during lockdown, um, I, I wanted to watch my club. And if you remember, all fans were banned. And you had that bizarre situation where you pay for your stream and you could hear some foul language from the bench all the time. I thought, right, I need to experience this. Um, I'm trying to think if it was Bournemouth or Blackpool. It was the third last game of the season. So I got a press pass down there. So I'm, you know, literally with my mask on, mask off, with my laptop. And Cardiff were winning 3-0. And it was awful. It was absolutely awful. I couldn't stand up and shout and scream. There was no camaraderie. There'd been no pre-match pint. Um, and uh, the guys I was working for, Prost International, great American-based website, all sorts of sports. Uh, they said, Tim, are you, you going to do more uh, lockdown reporting for us? I said, no. Because that's not why I go to football, you know. So yeah. my writing, going back to that, is uh, it's football writing, not football reporting, if you can see the difference there. Uh, and the goals and the cards and the free kicks and whatever come secondary to the crack and the chance and, the, you know, having a good time with your friends and family. Amazing. So you mentioned there, obviously, pre-match pint. Do you have a like a particular routine for when you go into away games? Well, we've had such an up and down, or should I say a down and down at Cardiff City, not just performance-wise. <laughs> we've got an owner called Vincent Tan, who's a Malaysian billionaire. He knows nothing about football. He's appointed a chairman who knows nothing about football, <laughs> who's appointed a chief exec who knows even less about football. <laughs> and we've gone down and we haven't spent. We've got a transfer embargo and the relationship between the uh, club. I used to be chair of the Supporters Trust. Uh, the relationship between the club and the fans has gone downhill. But you know what? We still renew our season tickets. John Jones, my wife, Helen, uh, and Chester's old ticket, because he's moved away, my son, they're still there. We still go. But it's a social thing. We drive one or other of us down to Canton, which is a, a lovely um, working class area of Cardiff, park the car there, couple of pints, walk to the ground, and you've got that build-up, haven't you? They're coming out of the Weatherspoons, they're coming out of the Canton Cross, and you've got that shouting across the road. Maybe we get a chant under the railway bridge. Into your seats, turn round, the old man from Cumbrown and his wife. She gives me a little chocolate bonbon at half-time. How's it going? How do you think we're going to do? David Collins is there, the guy from the other side of town. Not over in the press box, are you? Oh, mind your own business. Look at that shirt, vintage, is it? It, it's all this stuff and the chat you get around it or the result yeah. yeah you know if you draw in the 92nd minute it's like a win and you go home and your weekend is made but if you lose heck that's been your saturday hasn't it or your tuesday evening yeah perfect and then what about then traveling to away matches again you've already mentioned sort of taking in some sightseeing perhaps shall we call it when when you go into these different towns so is that something that you always try and do as well when you when you go into different places yeah absolutely you try and see what's there and um we used to do weekends away so um you know a great place i tell it depends where your people are listening where you guys are listening um where you need to be but my top tip if you're traveling across britain is aspie de la zouche you say what on earth is aspie de la zouche i think it is the most central town 
in England. So if you're staying there the night, there's a lovely little castle there and a great Indian restaurant and a couple of good bars. But from there, you can go to Bosworth Field, for example. You know, you can go and see where the Battle of Bosworth was for. And you're crossing there the M42. So all those clubs I'm saying around the north, uh, the, the northeast and the northwest, you can go from there. You know, it's all that stuff. Or just go to a Victorian market or, you know, circles or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can do a straight up and down. Was it last week we went to Watford? Cardiff were playing Watford. Oh, my goodness. Watford are a good team. We won 3-1 with a fantastic uh, Sobers uh, overhead kick. But there, uh, the bus dropped us off at the ground and we knew we didn't want to hang around the ground. We walked to the Weatherspoons and two people were, we thought they were being a little bit arsy, giving us seats opposite them because it was crowded engaged them in conversation. The guy I was talking to, his father was from Combe Park in the Ronda. He wasn't interested in football, but we just had a chat about his dad and what he'd done. And, uh, you know, what's what's a crack like in Watford and how long have you been here? Absolute strangers. Lovely to see you. We're off to the ground now. I mean, I'll never see these guys again. I don't even remember their names. But I mean, yeah. how often do you have an excuse to talk to someone for no good reason. And, and if you don't do it within the football context, people these days, God, it's a bit weird, you know. Yeah. What is this guy? Why is he asking me who I am, you know? You get away with it after a couple of beers on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So uh, you've mentioned, obviously, uh, Ashby de la Zusa is a, 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 a nice place to go. Do you have a particular favourite ground that you like to go to or that you've enjoyed visiting over the years with Cardiff in the UK? That could be, you know, location or because of results. Um, I guess I, I'm just going to talk you through. It's not uh, it's not my favourite ground, but I'll just talk you through an away day we had. This is, uh, and I looked up the date for you. It's December the 28th, 1999. Cardiff City were playing Cambridge and uh, we stopped at a lovely village pub three busloads of us at one of those picturesque villages in Cambridgeshire. And the reason we'd stopped at this pub in the middle of nowhere, tiny little village, was a guy called Dave Carver was running it. Dave Carver played for Cardiff City against Real Madrid when we beat them. Okay. And he was such a fantastic host. The children were playing football in this long, green, lush lawn, even though it was uh, 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 December. And um, it was Division Two. And Cardiff were down to 10 men after half an hour of the game. Half, half an hour into the second half, we were down to nine men. And there was seven minutes to go. We were down to eight men. And we managed to hold on for a nil-nil draw. And a guy called Phil Stead, who's written the history of Welsh football, is called Red Dragons. Great book, actually. Very readable. He just started working for Cardiff City Football Club and he recorded on his dictaphone. You guys won't remember a dictaphone before mobile phones mm -hmm. and recorded the last couple of minutes of commentary about how this is the most incredible experience. It is there online somewhere. And he played it back to us on the bus about the greatest. It wasn't even a victory. It was a nil-nil draw. Eight men against Cambridge's 11. And it was just absolutely stunning. I can't tell you. Uh, but that kind of summed up in those days the camaraderie of the the underdogs and going for it and that whole away day scenario of the kids playing outside mums and dads having beer screaming in the bus as we got back home and then backs against the wall and you know i'm remembering that from 19 i only had to look up the the actual day not the year because I, I remember that one that's fantastic like you said that there can't be 
many uh, away days that people are so fond of when the results. <laughs> yeah. What was what was what was going on with the discipline? Was it three straight reds? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, it was actually. And the last one, um, Lee Phillips scored for us. I think was seven minutes to go. The, the uh, no, Lee Phillips was sent off because he made a perfectly good tackle. Um, but the but the referee said it was handball, um, and then gave a penalty, which I think we saved. Now then, this is the other in- interesting thing: the referee that day was a certain David Ellery. Oh, yeah, now I, I don't know whether he'd been—he was awful apparently, or he made some dodgy decisions. And that was the most famous player on the pitch, even though he wasn't playing. And I'm just wondering if he'd had an absolute shocker the two Saturdays before, and they said you're going down to Division Two, mate. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So he was a Premier League rapper yeah. at the time, but had obviously been relegated yeah. <laughs> and ended up sending the three off. He wanted to make his mark. And... That's incredible. What about the flip side then from that? So that's obviously a, an amazing journey um, experience. I look back with fondness. Is there any trips that you look back and think, Christ, I don't want to do that again? I do and I don't. Cardiff City um, have been supplanted for their place in Europe. I mentioned that we played uh, Real Madrid uh, in the European, uh, what was the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, but I did go to Cardiff City's last away game in Europe. It was against Standard Liège. This was in 1993. And because we had the League of Wales quite properly, uh, was introduced because if you want to be a member of UEFA, you've got to have your own league. If you have your own league, those are the teams who play in Europe. But until that time, Cardiff were playing through winning the Welsh Cup and went through there. Now, Standard Liège um, had a club called the Hellfire Club, and they were quite notorious hooligans. And in 1993, it was the tail end of Cardiff being quite notorious hooligans. And uh, at one point, we were 2-1 up. We lost the game 5-2. Uh, but they, uh, I remember coming over a bridge. They, you know, as they do, they marshal and they say, you're going this way. And they pushed us with horses, uh, charged us back onto our buses. And I knew the day was going to pot because I actually drove there for some reason. I think I was out with my friend, Adrian. And uh, we parked and we walked down the main street in, in Liège and glass was crunching underfoot. And we looked and there was an old gap between the buildings and old, you know, the sort of car fences where they put car parks in spaces and 200 guys had been locked up there and they'd been fighting all afternoon and they were being deported on the first ferry out of there. But what was fantastic was we went two one up in a European game and that feeling of just elation of seeing Cardiff in Europe, you know, because it didn't happen that often. Uh, so the good and the bad about it, you know, it, it was horrible because um, it was unpleasant and you felt, you know, why are you doing this? And yet there's that adrenaline going through you that, that you know, this is all for the club. We're all together. South Wales Valleys, the people from the city of Cardiff. You know, this actually means something. I remember taking a friend of mine yeah. to Cardiff's FA Cup semi-final. Um, Joe Ledley overhead left-footed goal against, was it Barnsley? Yeah, and my friend was an Arsenal supporter. And um, at that time, Cardiff had been to Wembley more times than Arsenal because we'd been there for playoffs, we'd been in the FA Cup. We ended up in the League Cup. Anyhow, as we're walking back, he said to me, oh, it's lovely to see, uh, it's lovely to see you Cardiff guys because you really care about this. I felt like saying, oh man, you're a season ticket holder at Arsenal. You know, you don't care about it. And it's because we were crappy little Cardiff and we'd actually made yeah. it. 
And I think maybe all those years in the fourth division and getting up and being poor and being relegated and the standard of football being bad, maybe that makes the up so much better. And if you are in the top four of the Premier League, you really don't appreciate, you don't know what you've got. You really don't. Yeah. Um, but it was just interesting. And that, I think, is what it was like with Standard Liège. Okay. And you said you drove there. Yeah, I know. It's a stupid thing to do. But we we were late to my friend, Arian, um, and we stayed overnight. Um, <laughs> but, they, but they put us on buses. Those horses pushed us back and they said, we'll give you a lift. And we were on the road to Maastricht. They didn't want us back in the city until after midnight. And some of the guys actually then had to find the train back to Ostend. To, and they missed their, their ferries. So it was awful. But they, they figured that the Hoolies had all gone home locally. So there was no one to fight at midnight by the time we got back into town. It worked for them, but it was a bit disappointing right. for us. Yeah. So how, how long was that drive? Oh, that was well, that's a long one, actually, because from here to, to Dover, it's about four hours. Um, and then was it Dover, Cali or Ostend? And then you, you, you can do it in a you can do it in a day because I drove there that day and we came back the next day. <laughs> it's bloody hell. Bloody hell. So is that the only time you've seen Cardiff? In your yes, race, sadly. Um, of course, Liège came back and beat us. Um, but yeah. That's amazing. Okay, and then obviously you've you've mentioned that Cardiff have played sort of certainly while you've been watching across all levels of of, of the football pyramid. It sounds like so. How how do you find the the sort of smaller more grounds compared to those those bigger grounds in the Premier League? Because of course Cardiff did have was it two seasons in the Premier League? Quite That's recently? right. Yeah, hated them. Hated both of them. Um, I hated them. Okay, so tell us. Tell us. I hated the prices. Go on, tell us about um, that. I hated the change to... I bet someone said to me a couple of weeks ago, you know, that was Man United's last three o'clock Saturday afternoon kickoff for the end of the season. Whoa, 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 whoa hold on. Football is 7.45 on a Tuesday and three o'clock on a Saturday. That took some getting used to. Um, the prices, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't want to insult a lot of really, uh, really loyal Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea fans. And, you know, my friend Mark Edmonds in, in, in Chelsea, another great trip we had there. Went to his place for, for lunch, walked together to the ground, split up, came met back afterwards. Fantastic. But there are a lot of tourist supporters, aren't there? If you stay yeah. on a weekend in Manchester... You will find a lot of Dutch and German people in Man United or Man City shirts. And it's tourism. And it, you know, I get it because I've done it. I've done it in Barcelona and loathed it there as well, being a tourist. But if you go down the football pyramid then, and I've done the 92 and I've enjoyed it, I was sort of a reluctant ground hopper. But your experiences are much better there. Accrington Stanley, you park outside a pub. You leave the pub, you go through a wall in the pub car park into the turnstile and you've got on the wall behind the chip bar there a little plaque to someone who'd helped the club survive when it was going out of business, you know. It's just absolutely superb. So you take that right down the pyramid and you see what they, what some of these pieces have lost and how soulless the new grounds are. 
And I, I'll, I'll just single out a couple, and I apologise to you because I'm sure your 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 support is there. But Colchester, you know, the new ground out of town. Um, uh, what, Chester, um, Chester still in the football league. Uh, but you know, some of these grounds are antiseptic. You know, used to think Bolton from the outside, great architectural experience, but you're miles away from anywhere. Even the Britannia at Stoke, yeah. uh, and you think of these these the other grounds which used to be there see arsenal have done it they did a stone's throw from from highbury same routine for my friend who i took to the fa cup final tottenham redeveloped you know in the seven sisters area still there it can be done brentford not too far away as well you know you want to keep these traditions you want to yeah. keep your match day experience the same but when you go down not not just you know some of those uh, grounds which i've been to Chesterfield, you can walk there from the town centre, but Saltergate, it was probably one of the worst and most brilliant grounds I've ever been to. You know, the, the terrace was literally crumbling. There were bits of it under my feet. When you went to the gentleman's toilet, you stepped over a gutter where the wee was passing around because it was a gutter all the way around. But those floodlights, um, it was just a proper football ground. We miss that. And the only place I'm getting it now is ground hopping when I don't go away with Cardiff on a Saturdays in the in South Wales particularly, but across Wales, uh, and not just in the Welsh Premier League, but lower down as well. Some great, great grounds to go to. Okay, so do you want to tell us a little bit yeah. about that then? Actually, well, first, firstly, we'll we'll save that for a second because I, I would really like to ask you about completing the 92. Obviously, it's something that a lot of people aspire to. Was there a point where you thought, right, I'm going to try and get now to, to, to every ground? I mean, we were very lucky that Cardiff went up from the fourth, third, second division up to the Premier League eventually. But of course, a proper, a proper football, a football fan will have gone to some of these grounds beforehand, you know, uh, because my second team would have been Arsenal, so I'd have been to Highbury. Um, you know, but Wales will have played at, I went to see Wales play at Liverpool when we were banned back in the, good God, that's the early 80s. Um, Wales also played at uh, at uh, Man United at Old Trafford. So you'll pick up some of these Premier League grounds along the way. But going up with, with Cardiff then, that was good because you were going to these grounds. But then a point comes, I think it's when you get to your mid-60s or early 70s, you say, are you serious about this? Yeah. Well, Stevenage, we're never going to play them, are we? Crawley, we're never going to play them, are we? Okay. Listen, Helen, how do you fancy um, a weekend up um, uh, up in the north northwest? Then, okay, we we go to Manchester again. No, no, we're going um, to Morecambe. We're going to Morecambe. Yeah, we're going to Morecambe, love. It's great. Now you can get caught on this because about um, six months ago, I said. Um, Darling, do you want to go to Harrogate? It's a lovely late Victorian town. Great shopping and that. She says, yeah, where are they in the football league? I said, fourth division, love. She said, that's where we're going. I said, well, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll do that as well. We'd been shopping. I left her in the hotel. I had a drink. I said, I'm going off to the ground now. She said, okay, come back now. We have a glass of wine. That's a yeah, yeah. Beautiful city. Walked across the open park there. I get to Harrogate. I said, yeah, just one for me, please. Well, you haven't got a ticket. I said, no, no, no. He said, just me. Just meet me. Thanks, mm. No, 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 Harrogate, you, you've got to buy them in the in the club shop. We said, okay, where's the club shop? It's in town, and it, it closed at five o'clock this afternoon. 
Okay, so Harrogate is on next season's checklist again. The other thing with the 92, of course, is these people will keep building new stadiums. So you've got to go back. So the 92 has become 100 and something, you know, because you might have said, I saw your team in Indian Park. I said, ha, you haven't seen him in the Cardiff City Stadium or Swansea in the Vetch um, or Rotherham, you know, uh, these, these teams are Coventry, Birmingham, you know, it's 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 good fun, but uh, going as I say, going down the leagues, it's it's a it's another step down again, which I love. Mm. So do you have a do you have a a total of how many grounds you've been? No, to? I've written about doing the ninety two, and I ended it in Barnet's, uh, not at Underhill, which was a lovely ground with a big slope on it, but again, it's an antiseptic park with on the edge. It's just below the M twenty five. Great welcome there. Don't get me wrong. Talking to guys there, you know, how do you find the new stadium? Oh, it's great. It takes me an hour to get here. Just, just think about the, just think about the fans. So that's what I did the ninety two, um, and interestingly, uh, uh, they. Barnett were um, 92nd in the league and they got an all-important equaliser to keep them in the league in the 92nd minute. So it was a little bit of a novelty there, which was good fun. Um, but on, on the 92, yeah, it's 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 good. Um, and I, I, I thoroughly recommend it. You don't have to, you know, do it um, do it uh, division by division and see, see if you enjoy it. I mean, I'd, I'd also, you know, I'd be to Cadbury Heath outside Bristol. I'd be to Western Supermere, very near to where I live in Cardiff. And you meet people there, but some of the some of the Welsh grounds are fantastic, and uh, the welcome you get there. I, I think uh, the Welsh Premier League, below, is a good compromise between professional English football league football and grassroots, proper grassroots. Uh, I'll just give you a couple of examples. Um, there's a club called Kevin Druids outside Wrexham, one of the oldest clubs actually in Britain. And they play in a ground called The Rock. What the heck is that? The ground, the 3G pitch, is in an old quarry. And when you sit in the grandstand, across the pitch on the other side is a sheer wall of grey quarry. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So at halftime, you go for a cup of tea, and there are black and white pictures on the wall. And someone comes up to you and says, hello, you're new round here, aren't you? Now, you know, in some other clubs, you think, that's my excuse to start, isn't it? You're new around here, aren't you? Would you like me to tell you the history of the club? They sold the old ground to Tesco's in the village, and they bought the rock for them to build the new stadium. And it was just a lovely cup of tea, someone talking me through the history of the quarry and the mines around there. Uh, and, you know, that's the kind of welcome you get in these clubs who are getting three, four, five hundred uh, spectators and you you happily buy a program you happily buy a burger um because you want to support them in any way you can yeah that's great so what what are the then welsh grounds well the other the one we, we do um every so often we do a ground hop uh in north wales because um it's about 200 miles up to north wales from here and we we had a fantastic on a friday night um we went to see bala town um and Bala's a lovely little village by Llintegid, uh, which is a big big deep water lake in snowdonia if you get a chance they do a weekend there and um we went to the Llewcorch, which is the pub on the main street there after the game and Colin Cater, I think it was, the manager, came over and he thanked us for coming to the match. It was just lovely. Next afternoon, we went to Prestatin, who uh, weren't in the Welsh Prem at that time. 
And there's Paul and Trev. Trev is Paul's dad. They're from Prestatin. And we only meet them on Wales Away games. But they knew we were coming. We met them. They had a drink in Prestatin. Brilliant. Stayed the night in Wrexham. And then we went to um, uh, to Kevin to see them, as I say, in, in, in Wrexham the, the next day. So it was a lovely weekend of ground hopping. We did a similar one last uh, year. And uh, a brilliant town, Carnarvon. If you haven't been to Carnarvon, it's got the most exquisite uh, Norman castle there on the banks of the Menai. The Menai is the strait between Anglesey and North Wales. So you've got Carnarvon, and behind Carnarvon, you've got Snowdonia. So it's a beautiful, picturesque place. They play in a ground called the Oval. So we stayed in the Anglesey Hotel, which is just next door to the castle. Great location, great pint of local beer. Uh, moose puce, which means the, the purple moose, which was lovely, um, from Snowdonia Brewery. Uh, ambled our way along the river then up to the Oval. You get into the clubhouse where we're welcomed there. You go into the ground. It was a Friday night. Absolutely superb under floodlights. One of these grounds where the kids, uh, six, seven, they're playing football with a small ball or a can in front of you. You say, oh, that's great. There's the next generation. You've got the teenagers then smoking fags and flirting with girls or girls trying to be sort of attractive. And they're not watching the game much. And then you sit in the stand then and you talk to, you know, people like us, uh, middle-aged men and women who supported the club through thick and thin. And then who's that there? It's Gwyn Derville, the chief executive of the Welsh Premier League. There was a chat to us. I said, oh, you know, how's it going this season? How are revenues? You know, this, that and the other. You, you make these questions up. I haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. He said, join us afterwards. He buys me and my cronies a drink and we have a chat about the state of Welsh football at the top level. And uh, honest to goodness, the, the welcome you get there is second to none. Second to none. That's amazing. Sounds sounds great. So have you thought about, is there a Welsh equivalent? Yeah, there is, the but I, I, I tell you where it gets awkward is because the oh. second, uh, a, a quick canter through the Welsh pyramid, you've got the Welsh Premier League, uh, then you've got the two, the North and the South Championships. Below them then, you've got four divisions split into North and South. So you've got North East, North West, South East, South West. That's an awful lot of clubs to be going through. So at the moment, I've done uh, <laughs> I've done the Welsh Premier League, and I've done definitely the South Championship, and I've done most of the other two below. But as I say, doing that again is going to take me a couple of years to to cover all of North Wales. Uh, I'm sure someone's done it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And did you say then? Obviously, Cardiff and Swansea used to play. In yeah, competition. yeah, and after that, then it was called the FAW Cup, which I think um, UEFA said no, that's an invitation cup in, in a sense. The Welsh Cup's quite interesting because it was invitation in the old days, so you'd have teams from across the border, you know, Hereford would uh, play in it, you know, and, and other places right on those the marches they're called the welsh marches so it's quite interesting the teams who have actually won it if you go through the history of it it's an interesting competition in itself because it's got that european place and you've got those places then in the welsh premier league they go into um the qualifying rounds uh, for the europa then and then i think if they get through some of that they might even go into the qualifying for the europe um, the champions league uh, and you know you think well that's just a bit embarrassing because those games of course come at the very beginning of the season 
But, you know, when Barry Town were doing well, I remember going down there. I'm a Barry boy originally. I remember seeing Boa Vista there in Dynamo Kiev. I mean, for a town like Barry, this is a big deal. You know, this really is. Um, yeah. And the, the carnival atmosphere you had there, you know, talking about it and people taking an interest in football who might not otherwise have done. Um, so I, I think we we need not we need to be more responsive to uh, lower league football and realise that without that bottom of the pyramid, you wouldn't have your Champions League and you wouldn't have your Premier League Galacticos. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've said it already on, on previous episodes. I'm a big advocate for for non-league football. I'm going to a non-league cup final this evening as it goes. Um, and, and you're quite right. It doesn't matter what level of football is, what level of football it is, you can still have admiration, you know, for those players, whether, you know, they're getting paid or not, or whether they're superstars or not. You, you know, you still get those same feelings, don't you, of... Of whatever level you I watching. can relate to non-league football so much better. I mean, I've just organised today, Cardiff are playing on Sunday. Um, I've just organised, we're going to watch Tradiga Town play. Um, they'd be in uh, Ardell South East. Um, and when you go to somewhere like Tom Pentre or Pedro Kyber, um, Kevin Cribbord, these kind of places, you know, uh, they really are village teams. And it means a lot. It means a lot to the players. Uh, they will sometimes ship them in this place called Goitre up in Gwent. And these are, I was going to say Newport rejects, but they come up from Newport. So there's money changing hands. That's the point. Um, but you can relate to the football they play because, you know, I play seven and uh, eight aside. Um but also, you're close into it. It's really physical and it's intimidating and it's great. It's it's a proper, proper football game. Amazing, amazing. Okay, and you've touched on um, a couple of experiences you've had following the Welsh national team. And I know you very kindly said you're going to come back and talk to us more about that for another episode. But you've also mentioned, and I thought this might be just a... A nice way to finish. You've mentioned sort of ground hopping across Europe as well. So you mentioned Barcelona um, and Belgrade, I think you've touched on as well. So you've, you've also been to watch some clubs. Yeah, I mean, it's right? a completely different experience. I was very lucky last year. I managed to blag a ticket for Union Berlin. It was a Europa League game. The crowd there are in place standing an hour before the game. There's beer and bratwurst, don't get me wrong, but they're in there an hour before the game. The TIFO, this big thing they put across like a massive flag, obscures the first eight minutes of the game. They have a guy on a drum and a microphone. You know, we think you've got great support. Who would be considered the support Liverpool back in the day? Very disappointed when I went there. After you never walk alone, they were quiet. Um, absolutely superb. I've done a couple of weekends ground hopping in Holland. Um, and we were we played in a football tournament in Ukraine with a team called Hirenvien, which is in the east of Ukraine. And they invited us back. You stand on a terrace, which is on the top stand. And you walk out with your beer from the bar into the stand and you jump up and down with your beer in your hand. It's quite remarkable, you know, um, and a lot of the chants are English because they say that this is where football fandom comes from. Well, I tell you what, they've learned from us and they've taken it on. It is absolutely superb. Um, so, so ground hopping across Europe, if you haven't done it, you know, Holland is quite difficult because you've got to show your passport to get a ticket and there's a bit of malarkey. Similarly, you need ID in some games in Serbia. 
um, because th there's intense rivalry there, mainly about Partizan uh, and uh, Red Star Belgrade. Barcelona, you can do as a tourist to put your hand in your pocket, but you go to a tourist area and that is very disappointing. Um, but yeah, Union Berlin, I think, would have to be up there as my favourite club experience in Europe. Thank you.